Yo, it's time to step into the business bubble. All right, I'm gonna pop this. So, All right. finally, we got it, 1014. <laughs> Thank you, 1014, for the drinks. Are we on? Yeah, we on, baby. Oh, we're on, all right. What? What's the, you drink this so much, bro, I have no idea. Yeah, so this one's a black sugar one. Um, so thank you to Peng for organizing this for me. And this is my my Beauty and the Beast water cup. <laughs> yeah. Disney always. Always. All right. Disney forever, man. Show me the way, bro. All right. Pop it. Chuck it in there. Oh, actually. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. That looks so silly as well. It's a left hand. Left hand throw. Ready? All right. Yeah, go for it. Oh no, I spilled some. <laughs> oh man, rookie. I thought you were the <laughs> I was a rookie. <laughs> Crap, man. <laughs> I jumped up and then it's all okay. Right. It's all right. We'll clean it up after. Are, are we trying this now or what? All right, cheers, man. Cheers. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. Oh, it's good fun. Hmm? Would this go well with your bread? <laughs> I don't think so. <gasps> you can drink this in the morning, man. Dude, this is so sweet. Yeah? yeah? Too sweet for you? Well, look, the boba, for me, it's grown on me. I haven't had, I, had, I don't think I've had a bubble tea in like probably three years. Oh my Lord. Because the, the, it's, a, it's a texture thing. I'm white. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. It's very, it's, the texture of the boba is, it's better than what I remember. I will say that. Yeah. Um, I, I think I like the tea. And a lot of the teas are like really nice as well, but I've always been turned off by the boba, but this is like, hey, it's growing on me. Right? Yeah. You know what I find a lot of white friends like? They like the popping pearls. Have you seen those ones? Hmm? So I don't understand them. So they- you The put boards them, with the- or, no. no, no, no. So they are like strawberry flavored inside. So they got a, um, like a little, almost like a plasticky kind of shell that just melts in your mouth yeah. and you pop and it, it goes in your mouth. I, I think it tastes terrible. I have no idea, bro. Yeah. I don't need candy much. I really- <laughs> No, not at all. Not at all. But you eat bread. Too much bread. Wait, did you grow up eating bread for breakfast? Bro, okay. Let me tell you. Norway. We eat bread probably every meal of the day. You wake up, you have bread for breakfast, right? You pack a sandwich for lunch. You have lunch. Then for dinner, depending on what you have, you might have bread on the side Mm. with your dinner. And then in Norway, we eat what's called like evening food. Mm -hmm. So we eat bread again. At night, around like 8 p.m., 7, 8 p.m. It's because the workouts are a bit different. In Norway, it's 7.30 to 3.30, whereas mm-hmm. here it's like 9 to 5. Wow. So we're home much earlier. So you eat dinner earlier. We always eat dinner at like 3.34. Wow. So do then you, you have to have another meal before you go to bed, right, because you're hungry. Wow. Do yeah. you, so do you prefer that 7 to 3 or do you prefer like a 9 to 5? Oh, when I was a tradie, uh, it's so nice being home early when you have so much left of the day. Yeah. Yeah, so I do like that, but now it's like I can with my work. Now I can adjust my hours how I want. So I can I can start early and leave early. Yeah, it's just a bit more difficult now with a kid. Oh, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. true. That <laughs> is true. <laughs> Changes everything. That's true. <laughs> but then that means um, if you're eating later at night, mm-hmm. does that mean that people in Norway usually a little bit fatter? Mm, depends. Okay, I've never been in Norway, so you got to educate me. Well, Norway's got beautiful people. Yeah. Exhibit A. Oh, right. <laughs> and Elsa, and Anna, That's right, and yeah. Olaf. That's right. Yeah. Nah, look, honestly, like you'll find it with like Scandinavian people, like yeah. often blonde, beautiful, whatever. Um, 
But we eat too much bread. Like, that's no joke. We eat, <laughs> like, coming here, yeah. people were like, dude, why do you eat so much bread? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's no I was like, no. Now I, now I just eat bread on the weekend. Pretty okay. much. Yeah, I can't. I can't. It's too much carbs. Bro. You know you know how, um, so you talk about representation, right? So Shang-Chi mm. did Asians, I think, mm. pretty well. Yeah. Did Frozen do Norwegians good? <sighs> did all right, I guess. Like... <laughs> That's Norway back way when, right? Yeah. And it's kind of. Yeah. Like it was cool. Like yeah. it's called Arendelle is based on a city called Arendal. So it's like oh. close-ish. Oh. But it's, yeah, not accurate, but it's close-ish. It was okay. nice. It was nice being represented, you know? Yeah. As a white people yeah. from Europe. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a Disney film, white people on Disney. That's yeah, that, that's nice. Under, represent- underrepresented. Yeah. <laughs> Because I read this article, I think in um, 2014, when mm. after Frozen had come out, yeah. the tourism for Norway actually mm. spiked. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then I think there's a lot of, if you go on Google now, you can actually see all these different companies that have done Frozen tours now. Oh, really? Yeah. That's very interesting. <laughs> I'm hooked, man. I think I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of that. You should go, if you're going to Norway, you should go for the scenery. Like, the nature there is beautiful. It's like, it's like New Zealand and steroids. Oh. Yeah. So when I went to New Zealand, I was like, oh, this feels like home. Oh. Like, it's very familiar. But it's, like, more grand because it's got more mountains, bigger mountains, longer fjords. Yeah. Uh, maybe more dramatic scenery, I'd say. Yeah. Right. And it's, yeah. I think that, um, man, I, <laughs> I just got to make time to get to Europe. I think one of those, Europe is, because we're in Australia, yep. Europe is one of those countries, or one of those continents that you feel as if I can't just go there for a weekend trip. Like no. For example, we can go to New Zealand for a weekend yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah. We can go to maybe Asia for maybe two weeks. Mm. But when it comes to Europe, I feel like, because we're so far away, we got to spend a whole month there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you're doing Europe, you got to do Europe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Noted. <laughs> you should go. <laughs> Don't have kids yet. <laughs> That's right. You still have to. Oh, you're going to the U.S. Why are you going to the U.S.? Oh, yeah. Disney, yeah. Disney. yeah. Go to Disney, Disney in France. Yeah. Hey, but you know, Epcot. Have you heard of Epcot? You yeah. know, in Florida. So Disney World. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have like a Norway pavilion. Okay, yeah. cool. So I can, yeah. Oh, sure. That's, that's probably very accurate in America. <laughs> Disney fans know what I'm talking that's about. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Hey, so how much of your time is spent on when you're first starting up your Peterson Pantry? Mm-hmm. Peterson. Peterson. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. oh sorry. <laughs> Just I wanted to correct it. Everyone Don't gets worry. my name. Everyone gets my name wrong. Don't worry, me too. Like, Everyone gets Nathan. Yeah. No. Y- young. Oh, young. Yeah. 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 So it's young, right? Oh, I. Oh. There you go. I said it wrong as well. Lord help me. Oh. It's okay. We're, we're even. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're starting off, how much time did you spend in the startup um, as opposed to your other job? Oh, it was primarily a weekend thing. Okay. Like, just being honest. it's It was a passion that kind of became a business. Yeah. Because I've been baking for a long time. Like, growing up, like I said, Norway, bread, everything. We bake. Bake, bake, bake buns, breads, like all the stuff, like sweets, so much all the time. So for me growing up, it was normal to to bake bread, to bake rolls, to make pizza dough, like all of that stuff. Just I learned from my mom, right? So coming here, everyone's like, what? You're not big? I was like, yeah, this is normal. Like, mm. do you not know how to? So when I used to live with another four guys, <laughs> um, I used to bake all the time. Right, and then when I came here, I tasted sourdough, which I hated. <laughs> but I was like, "What is this bread? Like, this is not good at all." But since then, it's grown on me. Yeah. Right, and then obviously, I took a few months for me to kind of keep my sourdough starter alive because I created it. Yep. 
Uh, and then since I've kept it alive, so now we're on like, how old is it now? Maybe six years, five or six years. Yeah. I've kept it alive. All the right. culture, the sourdough culture that I bake with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then I kind of got into sourdough and then I, yeah, just kept baking, baking, baking just for ourselves, for like the family, for me and my wife. And I would bring it into work to my real estate job. Yeah. Um, and then... People, I, w- I would give it to people at work and they would give it to their friends. And people just kept saying, oh, bro, you need to sell this. This is so good. Yeah. Like, you need to sell it, you need to sell it. And then it was during lockdown. I think uh, I think we're coming up in two years for the pantry, um, just in a few weeks' time, actually, in May, I think. Um, and, yeah, it was just, like, a lot of encouragement for friends. Like, why don't you just bake a bit extra, make some money? And uh, my wife did... Most of the work. <laughs> set up the platform, set up like Instagram account. Yep. Does all the photos, posts, all of that. I just bake. She does most of the work. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it kind of, yeah, it was a passion project that kind of just became a business. And look, it's not a super profitable business. I just break even. Yeah. To, like just with what I like to do because I bake normally every weekend. Mm. So it's just like, why not just, because if I make, I don't know if you know anything about sourdough. I know you have to have a starter, right? Yeah. It's a long process, right? How does that actually, how does a starter actually become a starter? So that's how they used to make bread back in the day. This is OG way of making bread is they didn't have commercial yeast, right? So you literally, it's like a, it's like a fermentation that happens naturally. So in flour and in, in the air, there are these yeast particles, right? They're, they're all around. So when you mix, you literally just mix flour and yeah. water, equal parts. Yeah. And then you keep feeding it. For about seven, five to seven days, depending on how hot it is, um, and you create a starter. It just—it's kind of like something going bad, going off mm. in a sense, right? I'm sure you've made something, had something that went off, right? There's different bacteria, right? So it's different. It creates mold is obviously not good, but the yeast um, goes to work, and it pretty much what happens is the yeast bacteria eats the food, which is the flour and water, and then it sounds a bit whatever, but it kind of poops or farts rather, it farts, <laughs> which creates gas, which is kind of how you get the rice. And that's oh. how they used to make bread back in the day. So it's not a new thing. Yeah. It's just commercialized and become this, oh, sourdough is so fancy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how do you identify a good sourdough starter? A good starter is stable. Like mm. mine I've had for a long time. I know that I could keep it in the I keep it in the fridge. Because if you have it on in room temp, you need to feed it every day, right? It's just a lot of waste yeah. when it comes to flour. And it sounds like a sea monkey. A sea- <laughs> <laughs> what is a sea monkey? <laughs> no. Well, is- you can buy it at Kmart. So they're like little they're like instant instant pets. Oh, the one you put in the water and then it you like put in the water. Yeah, right, that right, little right, right. Sorry, thing swimming around. <laughs> okay. and you just continue to feed it, and then right. Never Anyways. mind. Sea monkeys. There you go. <laughs> Aussie kids know what sea monkeys are. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm, I'm an immigrant. Um, yes. Wait, what was the question? I've lost my train. The starter, bro. Yeah. The starter. How do you? How do you? Oh, how do you know it's a good one? Mm. Well, yeah, it's stable. So like mm. my starters, I've left it when I've been away on holidays and it's been sitting for like over a month. Mm. And then still come back. Mm. So it's stable that in terms of it can handle a lot. Mm. It can go pretty bad. Because like, yep. if you leave a starter too long, it goes like green and black. Yep. And then you get a takeaway and then you keep like two grams of what was left in there that's not corrupted. Yep. And then you blend it in new food, flour yep. and water, and then it comes back. Yep. 
So it's it's very interesting when um, they say that San Francisco, because of the altitude, is like the best place in the world for sourdough. Oh, yeah, it's quite interesting. So, but you what you'll see in certain countries is <coughs> sourdough starters are handed down for, through generations. Mm. So it, it can literally last you like hundreds of years oh. if you just take care of it. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, consistency. I'd say yeah. it's the biggest thing in Sydney. Um, here's here's their opportunity to give you free sourdough, but in Sydney, what is the best sourdough you've tried? This is gonna sound super arrogant, but I kind of prefer my own. Yes, <laughs> but look, I I'll be honest to say I haven't tried, I haven't hunted for the best sourdough. Yeah, right? but if I think of like the most common that everyone knows, it's like Sonoma. Oh yeah, like I prefer my own bread over some more. So Sonoma. Oh okay. It's just it's more maybe because the way they bake. Mm. Right? Yeah, they have a different way of baking than I prefer. But what I've heard, I haven't tested this out, but Iggy's apparently is like one of the best. All right. Yeah. Here's Iggy's opportunity to <laughs> yeah. give you a sponsorship, <laughs> HP. <laughs> apparently they're quite good. I think they're Bondi. I think they are. They're Bondi. I think so. Bondi okay. Kuji. Yeah. Anyway, say so they charge quite a lot for okay. that bread but uh, apparently it's quite worth it alright yeah, yeah. But, hey um, I want to know uh, I've never had one before but Shopify mm-hmm. you sell your bread through Shopify is that right no we use a platform called uh, Open Food Network uh, Open Food Network yeah um, which is a free flat platform which is one of the reasons we went for it um, and they do their transactions through Stripe yeah do you know Stripe yeah so they charge a fee of whatever we sell but Back in the day, when we first started, we used to just do cash payments and transfer. Mm. But when you sell to like family and friends and they don't pay you, it's really awkward. Mm. Right? Your friends and you, you don't want to be like, hey, man, you owe me like $7 for that bread like three <laughs> weeks ago, right? <laughs> so, yeah, right? You just Because it's such a small amount, you just ah, whatever. But mm. then again, it's, it's a lot of work. So that's how we started, but then we set up with the platform and everything. And at the moment, we're actually working on, because, yeah, I don't know, anyone, nobody would know this, but we just had a kid three months ago. Mm. Um, so we've kind of been on pause for a while. Mm. So we're going to relaunch in the next few weeks with a subscription model. And our idea is more so, I just want to reach the locals and where I live. I live in Ashfield. Um, we just want to reach the people around there. I, my No aspirations of growing, like... Australia wide or opening like a bakery yeah. at this point. It's more so just I want people to experience good bread that's handmade. Yeah. Right. That's kind of my. Well, this is interesting because when I talked to Julie last week um, mm-hmm. about her music, um, yeah. music business as mm-hmm. well, she's changing similar to yourself. Like instead of paper lesson, paper bread, going into a subscription based model. And mm-hmm. I noticed that that is actually kind of a bit of a trend that's happening um, with not just your industry, but a lot of different industries. Yeah. Um, how does a subscription-based model for bread happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the way we're going to set it up is I want to know when I'm baking, right? Because at the moment, oh, okay. I have, we have like, we open the orders and then whoever orders, orders, like it's to, what do you call it? Like, I just bake whatever is ordered, mm-hmm. right? So some weekends I'll be super busy and like just be baking all day, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and then other weekends it's like, oh, I have like just a few loaves. Right. So to create consistency, that's the whole idea. And I want to know, especially now with a kid, I want to spend my weekends with the family. Right. So we're going to do every, you can subscribe to either fortnightly or yep. monthly. 
right? So pretty much very straightforward. You choose what you want. At the, we're just going to start very basic. So at the moment, we have a bigger menu, but we're going to scale it back to like the main thing, which is bread, right? So we're mm-hmm. going to do my best seller is the olive bread, olive and herb. People love that. I had friends over from Canada yesterday who don't like olives and they couldn't stop eating it. Really? So, yeah. I don't like olives, yeah. so we'll see. Hey. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. We'll <laughs> I'll see. convert you too, brother. All right, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, so pretty much you choose if you want one olive. Yeah. And one, our standard loaf is called the signature sourdough. Okay. So you do either one of each or two of, two, two signature or two olive, right? And yeah. you just choose the frequency. Do you want it every fortnight or do you want it every month? That's pretty much it. So then I know I bake every fortnight, right? Consistency, yeah. and then I know how many orders I have. Yeah. Right? So it's all about just consistency and um, That's so making cool. it work for us. Because it's a business that came out of my passion for baking. Mm. Um, and we want it to work for us as a family, right? Like, if it takes away time from, like, I can spend with them, for me, it's probably not worth it. Mm. You know what I mean? The time and effort that goes into it, and obviously I'm not making heaps of money here, so it's different from my day job. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it takes away the only time that I have with my family, which is the weekends, and yeah, if it doesn't work for us, it doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that um, because now that you have a daughter, mm-hmm. uh, the responsibility, or no, sorry, because you have a daughter, your priorities have shifted? Oh, 100%. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, people like to say everything you do is for your, chi- for your children. Right, and I can definitely see that. But for me, it's like my wife and my my daughter. Cause like without my wife, there would be no daughter. That's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. So it's as much as obviously my daughter takes like massive priority at the moment. Yeah. Obviously, keeping my relationship with my wife healthy. Yep. Is vital. Yeah. Right, because if we're not good, then what I can give to my daughter is mm. not going to be that good. So how do you juggle work? Because I don't have a kid yet, so this is all new. This is all news for me, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you juggle work, uh, making sure that your missus is happy, and then also juggling, you know, your pedicent pantry and mm-hmm. and and then all the other things that you're doing as well. Yeah. Do you do you put one above the another or? Well, obviously, boundaries? my day job is obviously bringing in the money at the moment, right? Of course. So that, <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't not prioritize that, right? And. Luckily for me, I have an amazing wife, Astrid, shout out, who's <laughs> um, very understanding and very independent Yeah. because when we first had our daughter, um, I took a month of work right, uh, to stay home and kind of help figure out life because everything is turned upside down. You're not sleeping. You don't know what to do. You're just trying not to, for your kid to die, <laughs> right? Right. pretty much, right? Uh, so just live. Trying, yes, <laughs> just trying to figure out life at the start, right? So um, we, um, yeah, it was very, it was great being able to be home for the first month, but then I went back to work and normally I could probably work from home a few days a week because yeah. we were quite mobile, Yeah, but it was just so busy, right? I mm. never really... I didn't, I didn't think of it at the time. I'm like, I'm taking a month off when the baby comes. Yeah. But obviously, it took January off, which was just like a really hectic time in real estate. So I came back and I was just slammed. So I was just like, there's no chance I can work from home. Yeah. It was just like straight into it, just hit the ground running, yeah. trying to survive. Yeah. And it was a few weeks. The last two months have been pretty, pretty hectic, kind of catching up and just with all the changes that are happening at work. Of but, course. Um, yeah, she's... she's 
very independent and she's owning it and she's loving it because she's taking a full year off work, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like her work is great. Um, so yeah, she's just figuring things out. Yeah. She's very independent. Obviously I help in the morning if they wake up before I leave. Yeah. And then, yeah, she hangs out with her and she has stuff that she does throughout the week, like mother's group and play group and all these different things. Yeah. So if she wouldn't have been as independent as she is, I think it would have been much more difficult. Ah, uh, okay. yeah. That would have put a toll on you as well, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So when I have a kid with Yana, should I take some time off? Now that you've, now that you've done it, right? <laughs> uh, should I take time off in the beginning when the baby first comes out? How do I juggle? What's the best approach mm. to the first few months of having a kid? Well, I only got one kid, so there's heaps of people with more experience than me. Of course. Than probably. But you have more experience than me, so I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the start is very special, right? Because you're both brand new to it. You have no idea what you're doing. You can read the books. You can do the courses. But ultimately, when shit hits the fan, in a sense, and you have a baby in your hands, yeah, it just changes everything. So it's, I, would, I love that I could take a month off and my work's been so, super understanding. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just had like heaps of time, say like uh, time and loo saved up. So I just was able to use a lot of that. Yeah. Just take time off. Um, so yeah, so special, man, because it's brand new, you're both learning, you're learning how does it work? How do we juggle responsibilities? Who's changing the nappy, um, feeding, how does feeding work? Feeding is really hard, like breastfeeding in yeah. the first few weeks, um, for a lot of women. Yeah. So figuring that out and being able to be there to support, I think is really important. So in the first month, your kid is like sleep, poo, feed, and then repeat, right? <laughs> yeah. They don't do much. It's, so it's easier in a sense. So when I was home for the first month, I could cook, right? Cook all the meals, prep everything, just support however I can. And then she was sleeping heaps and we're just hanging out, us together, figuring things out, going for walks, spending time together, really, and just learning yeah, learning to get like getting to know this little human, which yeah. is now your child, which is still mind blowing to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that she is like born from us, which is yeah, crazy. I don't um, know yet, but yeah, <laughs> I'll work it out one day. <laughs> but yeah, I th I think for me it was very special being able to yeah. take the first month off. Yeah, and spend time with them. Yeah, because obviously again you learn and you develop habits and you develop more confidence to. May sound bad, but I like to leave my wife to take care of our child mm. by herself mm. when I'm at work. So, yeah, for us, and she said that she said that as well. Like Astrid, she's like, yeah, this was the right call for us yeah. to do it this way. Well, now, now that you have your daughter in your hands, right? Mm -hmm. How much influence do you feel as if, as a parent, um, you have over her <laughs> in terms of the way that she right. grows up, in terms of the way that she thinks? Because if we face it, like in society today, in our oh. world. Right, it's telling people that know the child at a tender age of like three years old can actually choose all this stuff, like whatever people want to think, yeah. right? But as a dad now, when you look at it and you go, "Look, this is a fragile little thing," how much influence do you feel as if you have over her? So much. Yeah. Yeah, like it's you have this responsibility to a obviously love unconditionally this child, um, play with them. Um, talk to them. There's so much development happening when they're so young as well, which I didn't realize, but you need to stimulate them like so much with reading, talking and like just keeping them entertained. Mm. Right. And there's so much learning from that. And I think 
yeah, today's society is scary, man. Like to be honest, where things are at and with children, especially. Oh, um, so exposed, man. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen with like when she goes to school and when she's oh, far out. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I think it's, it's so important, like the values, right? Mm. Obviously I'm very rooted in my values of what I believe and how I was raised. And yeah. I think that's created, um, like a platform for me to grow into who I am today. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think that's such a huge responsibility as a parent to actually teach them values and to teach them right and wrong because yeah, like in today's society, I disagree with a lot that's happening and like not saying no to your child. There's these people, like there's so many parents that firmly believe that this is the right thing. Oh, I'm never going to say no to my child. Like how are they supposed to learn boundaries? As you know, Jono, our, our mutual friend, he's a teacher. He's like, yeah. kids thrive under boundaries, right? And that's what you see like foster care children when they come into um, like a family and they they get loved and they have boundaries. They're going to push at those boundaries as hard as they can because they're so used to people giving up on them, right? But when they see that, oh, they're unrelenting in their love for me, they start to respect the boundaries and they love it and that's how they develop and how they, um, yeah, how they grow. So boundaries is, I think is so important and values as well. Oh, I love that. I love that, man. Um, it's, you know, you mentioned how um, you... Work gave you a lot of flexibility in mm-hmm. terms of looking mm-hmm. after Astrid. Yep. Uh, in terms of you looking back after, like looking after your work stuff, um, your job is actually kind of quite interesting. Mm. You deal with a lot of different types of people, right? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So the company name is Service First Property Group. Property Correct. Group. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, why did they choose that name? I mean, there's so many different real estate names out there. And mm. No one ever puts service first. That's such a like interesting. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like our directors, Andre and Oliver, when they first started, they started out of a garage, like a, the, <laughs> one of them, but their garage. Um, and uh, how it came about was they realized that in today's society, obviously this is, we're celebrating 10 years this year, so it's been a while, but um, – in modern society, you're always compared to everyone else within customer service, right? So if you go to your local bubble tea place, right, and the guy that we saw today was a really nice guy, he was easygoing, took your order, and it came out quick, and he was super nice about it, right? So you can think, okay, awesome, like that was a great experience, and he gave me excellent customer service, nothing to complain about. So then when you meet the next person, say you go to the movies after, and the person at the counter is super rude to you and they, they give you terrible service, you're going to compare the two even though they're not in the same field, right? So for our company, they realize that, look, even though we're in property management and real estate, people are going to compare you to the barista when they got their morning coffee in terms of the level of service. So obviously putting service first as a company name is a huge challenge, right? Um, but also something to strive for. Mm. So that's kind of how it came about because we want to give the best possible service that we can to every people, like all the people we interact with mm. throughout a week, right? So yeah, that's pretty much how it came so, about. Yeah. So what's your um, philosophy around customer service then? Oof. This is not <laughs> This is a not a job interview <laughs> question, bro. <laughs> what my philosophy around it? Well, um, I believe in adding value to people, mm. right? And again, it comes back to my 
my personal values. I believe everyone should be treated with respect. Yeah. Although a lot of people don't treat you with respect, mm. right? And obviously in real estate, the amount of people I talk to on a daily basis is huge, right? Obviously every day is different, right? But mm. you got random people calling for inquiries, properties on the market, right? Deal with so many different people. And you'd be surprised of how many of those people are really rude, <laughs> you know what I mean right? like, I worked in the bank man oh. The people that walked in the, Oh man yeah. Some of those people Gosh it's, I still have, they, they take a free rent in my head yeah. Still Yeah So yeah. Believe me I know yeah. <laughs> So Like just People like that That you don't have anything to do with And then you have The amazing tenants That You have a great relationship with They rent through you For a few years And then leave And they buy a property And then they appoint you To be the property manager Mm. Right, so you have that end of it as well, and then you have your your owners and your landlords that you have a relationship with, um, and everyone is expecting the same thing: excellent service, no matter what. Mm. Everyone, like in today, because you can everything is so easy today, right? Amazon delivery. I was just got a call when I was waiting for you outside. Hey man, just dropped a package at your door. Sweet. Was he rude because he didn't bring it to my door? Yeah, I was a bit annoyed by that. But <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, everything is so easy. You can get everything at the like the tip of your finger, right? Phone, technology, everything is so easy. So being able to, in every single interaction, being able to add value to people and to treat them with respect is something that I value. Do I fail? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> but that's what I strive to do, right? And it doesn't matter if people are just calling, they don't really know, they've forgotten what property they called about. I'm not going to be rude to them because of it. Mm. I'm sure I have many times, but you know what I mean? Like that's my goal is always to treat everyone with respect even though their question might be stupid mm. or their inquiry is annoying. They're chasing me up for something I've already done. You, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. so many things in your work, in your business that can, yeah, tick you off and you can explode at somebody. And believe me, I have. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> when you just have people that are super rude or just yell and scream at you. And I get, yeah, we get that as well. Yeah. Um, Don't worry, man. We've seen Vikings. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's something that's at the core of my philosophy is that yeah. like even though you're being a bit of an ass to me yeah i'm still going to treat you with respect that's cool yeah and what do you do personally when you get really heated in those moments or you feel like a moment is actually going to like just topple over do you um it's hard some sometimes i've been i'm able to contain it and just resolve it sometimes i can't and they blow up but i'm quick to apologize i'm very even though it's like because when you're dealing with the amount of people that I deal with uh, in everything that we do, um, people are going to get offended no matter what. Like you can do a great job for somebody, but people are going to take things the wrong way. As you know, like things that are written like emails can often be misinterpreted. You don't see people's – you can't hear people's tone in an email. Mm. All right? <laughs> mm. So I think the really important thing is literally take a step back and – like take a breath yeah, and just, okay, and then deal with it accordingly. Just take a step back. Mm. If you need to hang up, take a breather, <laughs> call them back. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like that's better than you exploding on somebody, right? It's just taking yeah. a breather. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. I remember my old youth leader, she used to say to me, whenever you 
uh, face a situation where someone has messaged you and you're heated and you wanted to respond back to them as fast as you can, she said, type your whole message up, type it all up and then leave it there for 24 hours and then send it, have a look at it again tomorrow yeah. and then see if you really want to send it. Yeah. Yeah. And then realize, you'll realize when you take a step back at the moment, you go, eh, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've done that so many times. You start writing something and you're so angry and then you're just like, hang on, I'm just going to take a step back here. Yeah. And then, oh, I'm going to respond to you later in the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you look at it and you go, oh, this is really well drafted. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, I like that language pattern there. That's really good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, from your clients right now, what do you see yeah. as a bit of a trend in, in this current market that's happening? Current trend of, like what in rentals mean? in rentals right now. Current trends in terms of what's happening. Yeah, in what's happening, yeah. um, are, are are tenants more demanding? Are they a little bit stressed out about mm. you know, finances? Are the are the vendors are the actual landlords are they a little bit more stressed out? What's no, going? Are well, they requesting more certain things? Uh, yeah, look, everyone is on you about rent increase, right? Because the market is there, right? Because at the moment, I'm sure you've seen it in the news. Rental crisis, people can't find homes, all of this stuff is being put out there so much. And and there is a reality to it, right? This year started off, I don't think any of us really expected it to start the way it did because it was, it was hit the ground running and it just, it's, yeah, it's been pretty crazy in the last three months. And you had a baby. And I had a baby, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just uh, the... I guess the trends at the moment is properties go really fast, right? Mm. We're seeing at the moment, it's like one uh, one inspection turnaround, out, right? Boom. We had one property in Kensington, like this old two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment, and we had 80 groups show up. 80? 80. 80. And we had to turn people away. I was like, hey, guys, I don't want to waste your time, but... W- we've already been here for like, look, an open inspection is 15 minutes, right? <laughs> we always cater a bit of extra time, five, 10 minutes. We were there for 45 minutes and we still had a line around the block. And I was like, hey guys, I'm really sorry. Like I, we, we can't take more people through. Like we're way over time. Got to respect the tenant's time. And that's kind of the way, not every property is like that, right? But it's just been, the demand has just been so high and people are just, yeah, willing to pay the premium that's currently being asked. And will that stop though? There are so many, <laughs> so many factors to that question, right? There's still a massive influx of students that haven't come in yet. Oh, mate, I was reading, I was reading this the other day and it's like, I think it's expected to be about 40,000. Chinese yeah. students alone. No, oh, yeah, we're coming. Yeah. <laughs> we're coming for you. <laughs> if you had enough of us, you have not even witnessed it. But the funny thing about, not funny thing, but the interesting thing about Chinese students, maybe in particular, is as you would know, mm. the Chinese students that come to Sydney, they're from pretty wealthy families. Of course. Yeah, because they can afford to come over here. And then when they look at a property, they don't really have a budget in terms of, because I'm not working, right? They're like, hey, my parents are supporting me. I'm here to study full time, right? Yeah. That's my focus, my education. And my, 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 my mom and dad is paying for everything. Yeah. So when a property is on the market for, say, $1,000, yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, I'll pay 1200 and I'll pay you six months in advance. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what's happening, right? They're just offering, like, heaps high rent. Yeah. And they're just, yeah, I'll pay, I'll pay a year in advance. We've had that as well. Yeah. And... The interesting thing about that is obviously 
although for a lot of our clients, students may not be the ideal tenant, right? Because with the student, you know, there's a limited lifetime in terms of how long they say they may be here for a year, but then you never know because you can't really check their rental history because they're moving out of home. So it's sometimes you get a really great student, excellent tenant, takes care of the property, no issues with the rent. Other times, you have these grubs, man, and they're just terrible. (laughs) (laughs) The property looks absolutely, absolutely horrendous, right? Like when you step into the property, stuff everywhere, right? Oh, it's just rubbish and like, oh, it's disgusting sometimes, (laughs) right? So you never know what you're going to get, right? So even though they're not maybe our ideal tenant, they still take up a huge percentage of the market. And especially in the Sydney metro area, right? Around the unis, in the city CBD, right? They're taking up a lot of the stock, right? Which is driving prices up. And like I said, like the example before, because they don't care about budget, they offer more rent, right? And then when you do uh, like a market appraisal, like all the other agents looking at what was actually rented out, this unit in the building got 1,200. Yeah. Looking at the previous properties, maybe it was like between 900 and 1,000, but now it's 1,200. Well, you're going to shoot for the moon, right? Of course. So all of these things as well is affecting the market and pushing prices up more because now there's like, oh, there's potential. And what a lot of agents are doing at the moment because I think some people are just out of them, not out of their mind, but they push a bit too hard and then they just put it up for like a crazy amount just to see they're testing the market. All right. So say the previous like property in the building, say it's a nicer unit, whatever, in the city went for thirteen hundred, and then there's some agents like, let's just try it at eighteen hundred and see what happens, right? So that again is affecting the numbers and people's pers- like uh, perception of what's going on, right? Because what you'll find with property, which is can be quite frustrating, is everyone is an expert. <laughs> <laughs> right, and they, whenever you do an appraisal for a landlord, or you send out a rent increase notice. They're like, uh, I checked domain, and um, I think it's too much. I'm like, well, cool, <laughs> yeah, you know, because everyone, because you're renting or whatever, everyone thinks they're a property expert, yeah. right? Or you hear what's going on in the news, you think you're a property expert, but you don't have the insight. You're not on the ground, right? Um, and I guess. I guess our advantage is our company is spread all over Sydney. So we get to see kind of what's going on across the whole city, right? Because a lot of agents will focus on one area and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. But our company was spread out. Like I've got properties in Marston Park. We're down south. We're in we'll have one property in the Central Coast. Not that I want to go that far, but <laughs> we got one property over there. Doing a check. <laughs> yeah. Go for a holiday while I'm at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know what I mean? So we actually get to see what's happening in the, the market as a whole. Yeah. Like, how is it, if, like, where does it start from? Like, so it's interesting to see the prices in the city coming back so strong, also because they dropped the most during COVID. So they're coming back, and then it's like a ripple effect. It just keeps going out further and further to, like, the rest of the Sydney. Yeah. Right? And you saw, that's often why you'll see a delay in terms of the prices. Yep. So you might have a property owner in Parramatta, it's like, oh, I saw on the news, like, blah, blah, blah happened in the city. I'm like, yes, that will probably happen in, in a, a few, few months. months. Yeah. Yeah. In Parramatta, but it's not yet there. Mm. Right. So yeah, very interesting to see the trends in terms of how hot the market has been in yeah. that sense. And again, it's, there are several factors to it. And one is the supply and demand, right? Cause yes, immigration has opened the borders and I don't know the exact numbers, yeah. but I've heard they're like, really high yeah. and the expected new dwellings to be built is 
not even close to half. Yeah. So that's a simple well supply and demand, right? There, mm. there isn't enough dwellings to house all these people yeah. that are coming in. Right, so that's one aspect of it, and then on the other side of that, the reason for, I guess, the slowing of the new development is because of so many builds going bankrupt, right? They they're going insolvent, right? And again, <laughs> opening a can of worms, but right. So you have cost of cost of labor, yes, huge going up, right? As it materials. as everything else, materials are massive, yeah. and what people don't know is that Australia actually imports. A lot of material. Bro. And like timber, well, it comes from Russia. Yeah. <laughs> People don't know that. I got a builder friend. He's He's got a shipment container out in Botany, mm. right? And he hasn't even, he, he, he can't open it, right? Because the taxes are so high. It's, wow. It makes no sense for mm. him, right? So that puts a delay on everything else. And then that's just not him. That's everyone else as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, 100%. It's the labor, like, like timber, absolutely. Like all that stuff. Steel from Ukraine. We used to get a lot of steel from Ukraine. Yep. That's not happening. Yep. And then in Europe, there's the energy crisis. I don't know if you've... Wait, wait, that. what happened to this? Well, the energy cri- prices in in uh, Europe is like going up so much. It's absolutely crazy. My family is the only thing to talk about. I'm from Norway, right? Oh, the electricity prices. Oh, everything is just going up. La, 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 la. All the time. Why all is the that time. though? <sighs> I can't say for sure exactly, but yeah. I think the war as well has affected uh, it. Okay. Um, but again, the high cost of electricity is making factories being really expensive to run, again, which is slowing down supply, right? So you got that side of it because so many builders, I think, oh, maybe don't quote me on this, but I think, have you heard of a company called ProBuild? Uh, no. No. I think they were the ones who had the original contract for the new IMAX. Okay. They went under. Oh. Last year. Yeah. Okay. Like a huge developer like that. I hope they are under. So <laughs> I'm not saying they're on company here. I'm pretty sure. I'm yeah. pretty sure. But um, yeah. And then again, everything is just delayed. So there's just nothing being built. So yeah. we can't house people. Isn't that IMAX one under Lendlease though? Because I know Lendlease looks after all of Darling Square. Yeah. So they have a 99-year lease on that actual oh, area. Yeah, and then so all of these small coffee shops and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. All, they're yeah. all actually paying land lease. So Well, are they the landlord? Are they the owner? They're the but owner they, of that pro- yeah, of that land. Yeah, but are they the developers? They de- no, they're not yeah. the developers. Or maybe they were. Or maybe they were. I'm not sure. I don't know. I think at least ProBuild was a big company. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're bankrupt. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure because I drive I drive that way every day when I come to work. So I'm pretty sure it used to be the science and stuff. Could be wrong. Anyways. They've taken so long on that development, oh, mate. It's terrible. I've I, w- I was hoping that Avatar Two would oh, be yeah. in IMAX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could watch an IMAX. Couldn't, man. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Speaking of movies, yeah. Um, I remember watching Avatar I th- before. Avatar came out. I mm-hmm. thought I gotta watch this in the best cinema possible, mm-hmm. right? I'm I'm a cinephile. I love this stuff, and then so I uncovered a, a bit of a gem. Mm-hmm. So I hope Hoyts gives me money for this one day, or gives me free tickets. But Onyx at Hoyts, they have. There's only two in. Um, I think there's only two in Australia. Um, one right. of them is in Brisbane, mm-hmm. and one of them is in Fox Studios at Entertainment oh, Quarter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the screen is actually LED. Oh, right, really? so it's not like a projector screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the blacks are so black, mm. um, and then also those different colors are super saturated, super right. beautiful colors. Oh, yeah. So any movie cinematic like cinephile mm-hmm. wants to go for a really, really good experience. 
Hoyt's Entertainment Quarter Onyx. That is a nice ass cinema. Oh, there you go. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting tickets after this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then for you guys as well, when you are negotiating, because mm. you have negotiations got to definitely be a part of oh, what you do every single day then, right? 100%. Um, are there any particular things that you have to, um, like techniques that you have to put in there now? Oh. Conversation things that you have to say to make sure that people are not, you know, expecting too much or... Well, I think what's important is, again, you're talking to two different parties, right? You're, you're, okay. the, you're the mediator, right? So you're, you're the person in between the tenants and the landlord, like always, right? So obviously you got to have the research to back up your claim, right? So we'll go, we'll do, if a property comes up for renewal, we'll do an appraisal, right? We'll find a range of what we believe we can achieve for the property, Right, and in that range, what's important is looking at the realistic number, but also thinking where can we reach, where can we overachieve here to get the owner the best possible result. Right, kind of come back to service first. Right, we want to make sure that we're maximizing the landlord's rental return. Right, that's always our goal. We want to maximize the amount of money they can get off their investment. Right, so. You got to be realistic with your owner, right? And again, it comes back to relationship. You have to earn their trust. You have to earn their respect. And that comes over the years, right? Just from talking to them, talking them through what's happening in the market, what's achievable, keeping them updated. Um, and yeah, just touching base, making phone calls, bro. Today's, like I have two staff that are um, Zoomers. <laughs> They're just texting everyone. I'm like, mate, you cannot build a relationship with a client over text. I don't understand what the mindset is though. They yeah. think that they can, it's almost like I can put off something so I can. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Because I'm like, just, just call me, man. Like, why are we texting? Yeah. Like this, you can resolve something so quick. Yeah. My director Oliver is always like, bro, just make the phone call. Like you can resolve 10 email chain in like one phone call. It's so easy. I don't understand what the fear is. I did have a friend before that had oh, yeah. a, a, I actually had a phobia about phone yeah, calls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I called her and <laughs> she actually gave the phone to the boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, to answer the phone. And That's he goes, so oh, yeah, no, sorry. She can't talk on the phone. I said, what? What are you talking about? It's so weird. That's a weird thing though, because growing up, my sisters—I've got three older sisters, yeah. by the way—they um, would always make me make the phone calls. Oh, we're ordering. Can you order the pizza? Can you make the phone call? Whatever. Like they would make me make the phone calls. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but anyways. But you are you an you're naturally an introvert, right? Or, yes. Yeah. Yes. But you don't mind making those calls, right? No, there are definitely times. Look, I think it's human nature. We don't like giving people bad bad news. Yeah. Right. Like just earlier today, I was like, I was training one of my staff because we had um, we had a property up for lease, right? We got a few applications and we sent like the best application to the owner. Yeah. Couldn't get a hold of the owner. They took a bit long getting back to us. And then by the time that they approved it, yeah, they had already found something else. So I had to like talk with through, hey, this is how you make this phone call. Right. So, so how do you give someone bad news? Well, you have to make sure that they feel that you're on their side, which you are, right? We we always work for the client, right? Mm. So you got to show your emotion. Right? Again, it doesn't come through in text, right? You got to be like, hey, man, I'm freaking so livid right now, right? Because they lied to us. They didn't do what they said, right? Obviously, don't lie to them, of course. But yeah. a lot of tenants will, they'll, these days, they'll apply for five, ten properties. And then whoever gets back to them first, boom, paid, deposit the paid. Right. So that's, again, you just need to be really fast. Right. So it was a, 
it was a good teaching moment because like we role played it. Like, how are you going to make this phone call, right? So obviously, again, it's making them feel that you're working for them and relaying the the bad information, but also having a way forward. So I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? What's the action step? Like, what are you doing this week to lease this property out? And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. So figuring out, okay, sweet. Can we do a midweek inspection? Great, we're doing a midweek inspection this time, this day. Great, talk to the tenants. What's happening there? Um, are we working Easter? Yeah, we're working Easter. We're like working Easter Saturday. We're showing properties, um, and like we're maximizing the time, right? And then obviously you got to discuss other strategies as well. But again, it's one. Of, I think that again comes back to we don't like making phone calls if we don't have an answer, and that's the same for me. If I don't have a resolution for something. I don't look. Well, I don't want to make that phone call. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm. And certain times, certain things are out of your hands, and it's like you just got to be honest with me. Like, hey, look, at this stage, I'm not exactly sure how we progress with this, but mm. let me talk to some people and get some advice, and I'll come back to you. Right? I think that's that, that's that honesty as well. Of uh, being, hey, look, I'm working for you, and I want to get you the absolute best result, but I got to be honest. Like sometimes we don't know. Right, and then you obviously you got to do the you got to do the work to find out, so you do know, and then come back to them right in a reasonable time. Mm. But yeah, having that relationship with the client and just being able to be honest with them, I was like, hey, yeah. this happened. Sometimes it does happen. We couldn't really do anything to change it. Yeah. Um, but this is how we're gonna move forward, and this is how we're gonna solve the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really important having an action plan afterwards. Mm. So maybe instead of jumping on the phone call, maybe take five minutes, have a think. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Boom, mm. make the phone call. But I think even with clients, especially you're dealing with HVCs, right? High valued clients. Mm, yeah. People, they're, you know, they're property owners, right? They're not, you know, they're not buying coffee or something like that. <laughs> they're, you know, they're putting their whole property in your hands. <laughs> These people, they don't have much time to fluff around. No. Right? And they have their own jobs. They have their own things oh. that they need to sort out. I think there's something, something very professional and nice about that sundown rule. Um, I was taught this. Um, when I was working in my bank days, mm-hmm. it's like by the end of a day, even yeah. if you don't have an answer, yeah. just give the client something. Hundred percent. So at least they know that. Okay, cool. At least they're still thinking about me. They haven't forgotten about me. Yeah. Because I think from a client's point of view, no matter what business you're doing, mm. one of the biggest fears for the client is that you've forgotten about them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, Communication. All my, yeah. All my stuff got all, all of your stuff got caught up in your day, and you forgot about me. And then there's two things as well. It kind of makes the client feel like they're undervalued. Yeah. Like you don't care sure, about them. For sure. Yeah, so even just having that moment saying, sending a text or, like, I mean, sending a text and say, hey, look, I don't have something for you, but I'm going to get yeah. back through to you ASAP. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. We're just giving them a time frame. Hey, yep, on it. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People are totally fine with that. Yeah. But if you don't communicate, people get <laughs> livid. <laughs> same, same goes with people when they say, oh, hey, I'm going to, uh, oh, we should catch up or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Don't follow through, bro. <laughs> just give me a date, bro. Yeah. Just tell me if catching up, what day? Yeah. <laughs> catch up. Oh, yeah, let's catch up. Uh, wh- wh- When? When? Oh, yeah. I'll get back to you on that. Yeah. Oh, dude, that look, catch up's not going to come for like nah, two years. man, just lock it in. Just lock <laughs> it in. 100%, man. No, honest, like, I think honest communication is so important especially mm. these days like I mentioned like with the zoom it's just texting everything is text just yeah. having a phone call man like just being honest building a relationship man yeah, I think that's really important yeah um, are there any strategies that you usually use to negotiate better deals uh, for your clients you gotta know what you're working with right so obviously the more information you have the more power you have yeah right so if I know 
in because I guess the most common negotiation I do is lease renewals, right? Rent increases. Yeah. Well, if I know that the tenant has already told me, hey, I want to stay, I have the upper hand, right? I know they want to stay. I know what the market is. So then I can strategize with the owner say, look, this is the market. I think we should push to get the max, right? Um, so I, I'd suggest we, we start the negotiation here, right? And then if they counter offer, let's go here, right? Um, special tactics, it's, it's interesting because every negotiation is different and every person is different, right? Again, information is power in terms of knowing if they want to stay, if they're on the fans, what information they have, yeah, what information they've given you is huge, right? You know, if you know the owner's expectation as well, a lot of landlords these days is like, look, yeah, I want to increase my rent, but I'd prefer keeping the tenant than having to put the property back on the market and go through that process. Um, so yeah, knowing what you're working with and then uh, I can't say for sure any, it, you can do the classic, like start high, meet in the middle. That's just a classic, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, if they're not super happy yeah. and you're not super happy, then that's a great medium <laughs> yeah. point for you. That's, the, that's a classic, right? And you always <laughs> see the, you see the funny videos of like the real estate agent, they talk to their, the vendors and they're like, oh, it's so bad. It's like down here. Then you talk to the, <laughs> the purchaser, it's like, oh, it's up here. And you're just like, it's just weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, just having an honest approach. And I think in the current market, yeah, it's easier, right? Because I think ten tenants know. Because you honestly say, hey, this is what the owners want. And they're like, oh, it's so high. I'm like, yeah, do your own research, man. Look around. Then they come back to you like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. It's mm. good. Right. Yeah. But sometimes obviously it takes more. But I think in the current market you you need to not be afraid of a tenant moving out. Mm. You know what I mean? Like cuz if they move out, well we'll put the property back on the market and then we'll get a another 80 people like Kensington. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you need to be somewhat <coughs> what's say ruthless, but you need to be firm on it as well cuz people will try to throw everything at you. Oh, but I just had a guy today. It was like, yeah, but on hot days, I can smell the fish market from here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's not going to affect... What? Like, people will throw the most random things at you. Like, oh, it's so funny. Oh, my neighbor is annoying. I'm sorry, I can't. And and, and what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. especially in the current market, everyone just wants to... They do everything they can to keep the price as low as possible. Mm. But you just got to be like with the owner. Be like, hey, look... If they say no, well, then let's get a new tenant in. Like, we can get a better price. You know what I mean? Like, I can smell the fish market. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you live in Piedmont. Like, oh. Is that the worst one you've heard? Uh, it's just like so random. I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> Have you had any weird ones? That, like, other weird ones that people go, and you go, oh, hey, look, I'm going to increase the rent. And then all of a sudden they throw this thing, and you go, what? <laughs> well, maybe not on that, but you have some really weird inquiries here and there. So yeah. We had one lady that back in the day, she was convinced that somebody had broken into her unit and installed like video cameras inside her ceiling, like watching a <laughs> shower. And we're like, is this person like, okay? <laughs> like, so what'd you do about it? Oh, I can't remember, but it was just like, hey, we do an inspection. There's nothing here, man. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 
the, the interesting thing about obviously real estate and rentals in particular because it's it's not just a one-off transaction it's a long-term relationship yeah not just with the the, the landlord but also the tenant yeah, as well right because right? you can have some tenants that you have there i've got some tenants that have been in the same property for 10 years oh wow yeah some people just they put their roots down and then they're like yeah we're not buying we're just renting yeah and then they stay for a long time right um what was i saying what in terms of that crazy lady with the cameras and stuff like that Oh, dang it! What was I saying? I lost my train of thought there. No, you keep you keep going. <laughs> hey, but you know, uh, we're talking about tenants, and then also we're talking about the relationship, yeah. long term relationship, mm-hmm. right? Between the tenants, yep, yourself. It's it's not just a short term thing; it's a long term thing. It is. Sheesh, that's cool, right? <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> yeah. Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> do you um? Do you always? Do you ever have to overcome? Do you ever have to overcome objections? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, what's, I guess, your, I guess, mindset around objections or dealing mm. with objections? Oh, it depends on what they're about, though. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's say, for example, um, mm. they say, oh, I don't like this property because X, Y, Z. Right. There's not much else on the market, but they, but what you really know is that deep down inside, they just want to lowball you. Mm. Yeah. So how do you overcome that? Well... It's a bit different in rentals rather okay. than sales because I'm in rentals. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, you'll still have people doing that at an open inspection. And you just got to leave it to them, right? If you want to put a low ball offer in the current market, well, sweet, yeah. I'm going to take the next person, right? Mm. But objections, you'll have objections by landlords. They don't want to pay for stuff. It happens all the time. And I think that's where the expertise has to come in, right? Where you need to know the legislation and you need to know what's an owner's responsibility to do. Right, mm. because when you own an investment property, it's there's a lot of outgoing expenses. Right, if you own an apartment, there's strata, you need to pay council, you need to pay water, and then on top of that, if things happen at the property, you need to pay for repairs as well. Mm. And it happens in every property. Right, mm. it always happens. There's always repairs. It could be the oven breaks, the dryer, or it could just be a plumbing thing. Right, if you if you have an investment property, you has you have to ins- like expect paying for repairs right that's just there's no way around it mm. so but a lot of times clients are like i don't want to pay for that they know they can claim back on tax right yeah but still they're okay. just like oh i don't want to pay for that like can't they just fix themselves that's a that's a valid question though because me as a tenant what i used to rent i didn't bother contacting the agents before i had at least tried to fix it you know what i mean yeah so in my view it's like well have you tried to fix it yourself but Obviously, there is a responsibility as a landlord, according to the act. It's like what well, you have to ensure that the property is in a reasonable working state, right? Yeah. So either you can say, no, I'm not going to fix it, but the tenants are within their rights to get it fixed. And they, if you don't do it, it could be a much worse situation in NCAT later on, Yeah. right? So again, it kind of comes back to, well, it's my job to inform them, hey, look, this is unfortunately your responsibility as a landlord. And I know you don't want to pay for it, Yeah. but- if you use this tradie, this is what they're going to charge you, right? We're going to try to get you the lowest cost possible yeah. of this. But unfortunately, it is something you have to do, mm. right? And uh, if they totally put their foot down and say no, then it's just like, okay, like if that's really what you, like I work for you, if that's your call, I've told you this is your responsibility. But if that's what you want to do, then that's, that's what we'll do. And then the outcome is the outcome if it goes down 
<laughs> I love you know, the firmness ab- around that, about, though. About, yeah, because people don't pay you just to be... Like, look, one of the main things I hear when we sign new clients, it's like, well, I was asked, like, why are you looking to change your property manager? All they do is pass on messages. Like, I can forward an email as well. Because, like, you'll have agents... When I was renting through... Oh, I'm not going to bag them out, but there is a certain... Um, there's a certain company that's quite large in the Strathfield area. Right. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I think I know where we're going yeah. with this. <laughs> that has a reputation oh. within real estate for being... Yes. Anyways. Um, and... Um, what was I saying? Jeez, I'm really... Hmm? No, that's focus. okay. I'm losing focus today. No, no, no. You're talking about um, the, uh, like, we're talking about the Stratford area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I, I, I knew, I knew that, I know the topic. We had it there. We had it there. Uh, we're talking about the, um, um, shoot, I had a mind repair. fart as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's repairs, legislation, your requirements. Yes, passing, yeah. New clients we sign, right? Often they complain about, look, all my property manager's doing is forwarding the emails from the tenants. Yes. Right? Why would you pay somebody to forward an email? You can just self-manage it and not pay somebody to do it for you. So, again, like, yeah, being firm with the client, obviously that depends on the relationship as well. You gotta, you can't just be like, but you have to, it has to be within the context of your relationship with that client, right? But they pay you for your expertise, right? So you can't, you can't just... (laughs) At least that's my view. It's like if if somebody's paying me to do a job, well, I'm gonna tell you what the requirements are mm. from a legal point of view, or like from the act, because you have an investment property, and this these are the rules you have to you have to consider. And I'm not just gonna pass on pass on the message from a tenant. I've literally, yeah, they. That's what I said. Yeah, that company. They literally did that whenever we inquired about something because we had a pretty bad situation in that old place. Um, he, he would literally just forward my email to the landlord. Very nice. Yeah, like, think about that. Like, you're not doing any. You just click forward. If you're a service-based company, you, you got to you, like <laughs> you got to bring your expertise. Yeah. And and where's gotta, the value? How are you adding value to that relationship? Like, how are you you're not? You, you're just collecting four percent, five percent. I'm just the middleman, just for the sake of being a middleman. Yeah. Right. So everyone can just pass on a message, and that's really it. Comes with experience, right? You got to mm. learn how to how to communicate what the tenant wants to communicate, but in a way that it like benefits the owner. And like, what's the strategy here? Like, what's the way out? In a sense. Mm. Um, I think that's important. Um, yeah. As an as a um, uh, well, as a, you've been a business now, now you've been a, a your homeowner mm-hmm. and then you've been a a tenant. Yep. Um, and now you work in that industry in the middle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Are there any things that you would do, or you would suggest to people on either ends that would actually assist your role? Oh, that would assist my role. Yeah, um, make it easier on you. Give me some grace. <laughs> <laughs> Stop calling me. <laughs> yeah, I think just realizing we're yeah. people too. We're not perfect, right? We do our best. Yeah. But ultimately, everyone stuffs up at some point, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think just yeah. I have. I think having a little bit of emotional intelligence. Oh, hundred percent. Like from both ends. Oh, so, hey, absolutely. Look, the guy's doing his best. I don't need to hammer him down. <laughs> look, obviously, sometimes you have to because there's a lot of very... Look, or like the, 
the Stratfield one? <laughs> <laughs> look, the look, email forwarder. Look, <laughs> look, our 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 occupation has a very bad reputation, a very bad reputation, and fairly so because there are a lot of very crappy property managers out there, and I see it all the time, like. People just forwarding messages, not advising you of anything. They're not doing what you told them to do. You know what I mean? So, but I think that's in every field, right? But yeah. property managers have a bad rep because it's, again, like at the moment, you see the media, it's like, oh, greedy landlords, right? They just want your money, uh, right? But you're not looking at the point of view from the landlord. The landlord might have been saving for 30 years to be able to buy that property. And now they're getting hammered with interest rates. All right, so they're just trying to cover their mortgage, right? It's an investment. Imagine like every time you bought stock, say that was your main thing, you had people complain about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think the current narrative of how owners are such the bad guy yeah. is so unfair because, yeah, like a lot of my clients bought a property maybe in the mid-20s, but they were living at home and they're still living at home, right, to be able to afford it. Mm. So it's what sacrifices are you willing to make? And then the interesting thing as well is you often see the coverage of like those news articles often in very high demand suburbs like Bondi, uh, right? <laughs> There's a very limited amount of properties there for people to rent. Well, not very limited, but in the current market is quite limited Sure. Um, because there's such high demand. So, well, that's why you have these people that go to 10 different inspections on a weekend and get denied because there's somebody else offered more rent yeah right uh, and that that's actually a very interesting point as well on the offering more rent because for the last however many years i've been in real estate whenever we did open inspection right say we're doing a marketing campaign we have a great outcome right uh, great photos virtual styling all of it right we have 10 group 10 15 groups show up to inspection right you often have people come up to you during the inspection asking you, hey, how can I how can I make my application stand out? Like, how can I be picked? I really want this place. Yeah. Are all, like this, always the same response. You can offer more rent. That's what we've been saying for years and years and years, right? Because, again, it comes back to we want to maximize our, our client's rental return. Right? Of course. Now, end of last year, government was like, nah. This is getting out of hand. Um, from now on, we're banning what's called the rent bidding. So now we're not allowed to push up the price, which is very interesting because they, yeah, pretty much fair trading has like these secret agents out wow. during open inspections. And they, if they hear you say the wrong thing, they'll find you on the spot. Wow. Right? That to me is crazy. Um, I think it, it's a bit can be a bit dangerous when the government gets too involved in it because yeah. it's like an open market, right? Yeah. But when they get too involved, so I'm very interested to see as somebody in real estate how it's going to be now with the Labor government. Mm. That's going to be very interesting because what if they just thinking here, but what if they say, oh, from now on, you cannot accept anything above what your advertised price is? What if they say that? Then right. you put little decorations on your application. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Like that's that could be a scary, scary way of going down. Like that's see, don't think about that though. Yeah. yeah. So what did they 
So, so what have you been telling clients to do if they go, oh, I really love this property. I really want it. How do I make myself stand out um, in this situation? In the best, make sure you're all your documents are there. Make sure you put the application through as soon as possible. Make sure you have, yeah, everything that we need, mm. right? And I guess it is a bit of a luxury at the moment because you get multiple applications. You can kind of summarize and you can speak to your, your client and see, like, hey, look, we've got three which one do you want? Right, you can give them the option. Obviously, we can say, like, look, here's three options. We think this is the best. Do you want to go ahead? Right. Mm -hmm. But just two years ago in COVID, that was not the case, man. <laughs> Come in anyone. Yeah. I'll take anyone. 100%. Yeah. That was a completely different market. So yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting to see how it's shifted. And it's, it's nice to be out of that. <laughs> it's really nice to be out of that. Um, but then again, like that brought heaps of challenges that mm. we learned so much from, right? Like mm. during that time, like, okay, how do you have a successful market campaign when nobody wants to come to an open inspection? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, I think in every season in real estate, and obviously the market comes and goes, right? As it does always. Yeah. Um, you learn different things in different seasons. I think yeah. that's one of the things that I, probably like the most about my job is you always have to adapt to what's happening at the time yeah because like today monday monday is one of the busiest day of the week yeah. right following up people from the weekend every tenant emails you over the weekend <laughs> it's just like can you just in midweek no it's fine <laughs> sitting on the couch on sunday doing nothing yes. you know what i'm just gonna bother my <laughs> agent 100 <laughs> percent. right so um uh yeah it's just it's interesting to see and anyways yeah it's just it's so busy but you never know what you're gonna get right yeah every day poses issues to resolve yeah right so problem solving is huge yeah right and some days it's easy you can quickly sort it out other times it's really challenging and you talk to your you talk to your colleagues like hey man how do i tackle this one you know so you're you're always learning always adapting yeah and always growing yeah right and that's a really cool thing about being in real estate, I think, mm. yeah. Speaking of growing and always adapting, mm. our church has gone through a bit of fire. Whoo, yeah, that's a topic. <laughs> Should we go there? <laughs> oh, man, 100%. Oh, okay. it's, it's been a wild ride, that's for sure. So, Hillsong has been under fire for so much, mm -hmm. and both of us are part of the church, yep. part of the community. Yep. Uh, where? What's your viewpoint on moving the church forward amidst oh. all of this? Well, and look, you're coming from a former staff as well. Yeah. So you see it from both ends. For sure. I think at the moment they're doing the right thing. Like open and honest communication is massive. I think for so long we were so ingrained in this culture, this honoring culture, um, where it's just you just do what you're told and you're not asking questions. And I think the way it's been lately is kind of shifting that. It's like, hey, the whole pyramid that Phil spoke about and like, I'm here to serve you. I'm not here to be the person on top, the the leader, the world traveling like leader. You know what I mean? So flipping that on its head, I think is really cool. Um, and it seems like to me, the church is moving in the right direction um, in terms of culture. And I still have friends that work for the church and they're telling me that things are much better. Mm. I guess on the inside mm. and it's not as maybe toxic as it was for a while. 
Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it's moving in the right direction. That's what it seems like at least. But you still love the church, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's why it came. That's why I came to Australia. I came to do Hillsong College. Mm. I just, dude, it's eight years ago now. In July, <laughs> it's eight years. I'm coming up my eight Jesus, years in Australia. Man. That's like almost a third of my life. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Hey, but imagine you didn't move. Heart of me. Right? Hey, you wouldn't have Nora. No, nope, I wouldn't have That's, Astrid either. You wouldn't have Astrid. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, Astrid, yeah. So, yeah. But you didn't need Nora. Um, <laughs> I, know that the, I know that culture at, at Hillsong College used to be quite toxic and I've heard mm. many stories around it as well and yeah. it's all the news and everything like that and oh, they're always sure. they're always interviewing some former person yeah. <laughs> that's at Hillsong who's really pissed off at the church yeah. and then they interview them for like clips oh, for but sure. they never interview someone who actually did I guess had fun yeah. enjoyed their time for as sure. well so like what's your view on it now what's your view from a 100% before? look I loved it like I'll be very honest I absolutely loved it and it's it's like a hype culture like you get into it and you're so you're so enveloped in it that it's it's hard to see, I guess, the downside with it, yeah. right? But I think when you stay long enough, you kind of start to see it. So I did three years, right? In the third years, I was like, far out, I'm so over this. <laughs> Let me just focus on my internship and whatever. Like, I don't care, right? That was the attitude in the third year. Because to me, it came to a point where it seemed fake and I know it wasn't for a lot of people, but I, myself, I couldn't handle the, everything is fine all the time and it's great. I couldn't handle that. I'm like, look, I'm a real person. Like things go to shit sometimes and I'm not always super happy and all of this stuff. But then when chapel rolls around, you're expected to just be like, woo, run in and like clap and jump around. I'm like, no. <laughs> and that's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that whole like honoring culture, again, I think it went a bit too far. And I think we just lost track of it. I think it was a, I don't think it was anything from the start that was intentional. Like, oh, let's um, make this pedestal for these people to be on. But it became that. It was like whenever we had chapel or just during class it was like oh i'm every trainer or person that was on the platform was like oh i recognize that i'm on this platform because of these people and because of this opportunity and it's just like name dropping and all yeah, that stuff i know this yeah. guy i know that guy it's just like okay like i get it but aren't we here for jesus like what <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we lost lost the plot of be here um <laughs> But um, obviously, I didn't know how. That was my experience, right? And I had a lot of friends that had the same experience. But there was a lot of other much worse stuff, I guess, that, that happened that I never saw. Like, generally, I'm very happy that I did it. I had a great experience. Like, I wouldn't be where I am today um, without it. Um, so, like, when I interviewed for my job, I was like, oh, well, what do you have to show for? Hillsong International College, Leadership College. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that was it. And luckily enough, I, I got the job and here I am. But um, yeah, very interesting um, time. I think it's because one of my mates works for church. Yeah. Um, you know, Dave, Dave Hedlund. Oh, yeah. Um, I love Dave. Yeah, he's the best. Um, and uh, yeah, it's much better now. Yeah. It's, it's heaps better. And obviously part of that was just kind of, the voluntary package for people to resign and the team just being so much smaller. Yeah. It's crazy though, because like there pretty much isn't a city campus anymore. Mm. Cause when I, it was like 500 students 
when mm. I was in college. And that was like 1,200 something of hills. Yeah. But now it's just like, oh, yeah, it's just like a ghost town there. <laughs> <laughs> Drapes are all... Yeah. <laughs> just uh, yeah, yeah. a couple of... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, so very interesting. But, well, yeah. do, you, do you think that the, um, the general church culture, um, I guess in terms of mega church culture, mm-hmm. is kind of following towards the same uh, downhill spiral as what we <sighs> experienced? Well, it's so hard to say. Every church is different, right? Yeah, that's true. But it's... It's hard because, yeah, I was talking to I was talking to Astro about this the other day. It's, it's like how do you balance this thing of okay, we are Christians. We're here to um, obviously spread the gospel, yeah, and tell people about Jesus, right? Yeah, and that obviously comes with growth, right? So you say you start a church, and it grows. That's a positive thing. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing, but where do you draw the line of not becoming this mega church where you lose sight, right? Because I think one of the issues where we were burning people, the volunteers, really hard because, as you would know, in the city campus, there was five services on a day, oh, yeah. on a Sunday, right? And when the expectation is, oh, you're expected to serve both in the morning and then at least attend one in the evening. Mm. How is that a healthy thing? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah, I just, we kind of just lost track of it, I think. Like, mm. what was the focus? You know what I mean? Like, was it the numbers? Or was it really for, yeah, to help your faith and, and yeah, to but, be a part of Yeah. Yeah. And I guess back to what I was trying to say was how do you balance that of we want to grow, but we don't want to burn people out? Because, say, if I started a church, right, I would say, okay, great. I just want this one church is one location to be the church. I don't want to have multiple locations, whatever. But then if it gets to a point where you have to reject people, then you're faced with a dilemma. Okay. Am I doing the wrong thing by rejecting these people and not creating another campus that they can go to? Mm. Are you rejecting for, for size sake? Yeah. For size. Okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Like how do you manage that? Like yeah. you're just managing that tension of, okay, we're kind of bursting at the seams here, but I don't really want to spread this so we lose the community. Yeah. Am I making sense? Yes. Because you're talking about keeping that culture. Yeah. Right. Because as soon as you add more, you add more and more, right. You can start getting little droplets of other things in there and it Mm. can kind of dilute, I guess, the, uh, your sourdough starter, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. You like that? You like that? Yeah. And then, and then it's true. Um, and then you give people, one of the things that I find it's, 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 it's quite funny and also a little bit frustrating is that mm. we continuously, um, as a church or even actually a lot of organizations too, you hire people that are not actually right for the job. Mm. You hire people for two reasons. Number yeah. one, they had been there for long enough. Yeah. And the second reason is that they just happen to have the right relationship yeah. with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not really a manager in a yeah. workplace that actually has the skill to be a manager. Um, nor do they have the talent to actually manage people. They might be really good at their craft. They might be one of the best salespeople ever. Yeah. And then because you've been there for so long and you're always exceeding your target, hey, suddenly you're a manager. Mm. I don't think that's the right way to approach things. And for I think sure. that there's such an old style mm. thinking that it just keeps coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I find that the media loves to use it as clickbait. Oh, for sure. Right. There People. is flaws mm. and there's flaws in every organization. Oh, yeah. Um, whatever religion, whatever organization, there's always flaws. But for some reason, 
Um, our one gets a lot of clicks. <laughs> clicks bring advertisers. Oh, yeah. Um, and then at the same time, I still think that we're trying to do some good stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's funny, like literally the other day, one of the new staff at our team in another, another department, <laughs> somebody made an offhand comment about Hillsong because everyone knows I'm Christian, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then she's like, oh, Hillsong, oh, it's such a cult. And she's like a super zoomer, right? <laughs> so, oh my gosh, it's such a cult. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, interesting. Why okay, do you say that? Come on. Like, well, you, everyone knows it. There's just such a cult, you know? Mm. And I tried to dig without her knowing that I was like a part of the church. And she didn't really have any, there was nothing, it wasn't based on anything. Yeah. And, and my, my colleague made a good point of like, zoomers often, they make, well, I guess we all do. You make assumptions based on just a rumor or something you hear, and then you just form an opinion without really looking into it. And I think that's what happens with, because if you talk to somebody that's not a Christian or whatever in Sydney and you ask, have you heard about Hillsong? Oh, yeah, they just want your money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a classic. Oh, there's such a cult. They just want your money, right? Yeah. You have to pay so much and they steal you. And I was like, have you actually ever heard somebody from Platform say that? No. no. They say, hey, if you're new here, yeah. Like people joke about, like, oh, yeah, you can take a coin, whatever, like, feel free not to be part of it. Yeah. But that's not, like you said, that's not clickbait. No. That doesn't get, that doesn't get attention. That doesn't get, yeah. It's when, when Pastor Brian said something about, um, about, I think, was it the Quran or something like that? And suddenly mm. that gets clickbait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brand. That's the same with Chappelle. Uh, I, I don't know whether you looked at Chappelle's last one before. Uh, after he had that massive thing with the woke people trying yeah, to cancel yeah, him and everything yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. he says, uh, if you take a small snippet and then you try to cancel me out of that small snippet. Without the context. Uh, yeah, without the context, uh, go F yourself. Like, go piss off, mm. right? If you want to actually have a go at me, watch my full show, Yeah. right? And then you see the context of it and then try to cancel me. You tell me whether you want yeah. to still do that or not. I think that goes with anything. Oh, 100%. Yeah. In our generation, it's so easy to take bite sizes and go, mm. up, bang. Yeah. And it's very, I mean, it's very tempting to just want to go left or right. Oh. Right? Why can't we go middle? Just pick a tribe, right? Yeah, pick a, yeah, pick a tribe. Mm. Right? And I think that tribal nature is great for marketing. Yeah. Right? Um, I've seen a lot of marketing that throws out a lot of hate towards mm. other companies. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think... For, for us in our industry as well, like when I talk to people, I don't say that, oh, hey, look, this other mortgage broker is, um, you know, oh, you shouldn't go with that person because da-da-da-da-da. I say, if you have a great relationship with him and he looks after you, just go for it. If he can't do something, then talk to me, let me know, mm. right? And I think there's that mutual respect there where you go, yeah. hey, you're a professional, he's a professional. Um, and I guess that come, comes to play with a bit of EQ, the emotional intelligence. For sure, for sure. Yeah, but if if... If we were to move, I mean, who are we, right, to, to try to put a new vision or to help the church move forward? Yeah. But from your opinion, as a former staff, after seeing where it is before and now that you kind of just, you're part of the church sitting in, being a part of the congregation, mm. if you were to move it forward, um, aside from, um, you know, Phil's new vision and all of that about um, just focusing on the core stuff, are mm. there bits and pieces that you think that we could take out and some things that we can actually instill in from a business point of view working in an mm. organization? That's interesting. That's a long question, but <laughs> it took me a while to get there. But Well, I think the, the, I guess the first thing is what our campus was going in a West campus is it feels like it's, it almost feels like it's separate. Yeah. 
Which is probably one of the best. It's the things. best church on 96 Tennyson Road, <laughs> like Ruby says. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but, um, yeah, I think we're doing it right because it's community, right? And that was one of the most refreshing things for us when we moved to the New West is just the community aspect because you can see it's the same people that come to church and they love the church and they love to speak to the same people every week to catch up and they have dinners together and they hang out like you know there's a real sense of community at inner west yeah and that, i think that's the most valuable thing because that's what people want to be a part of yeah and it's not hype culture we don't have the best worship in the all of the campuses um but i have something to say about that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know but not not to not to not to <laughs> no, no. no it's great it's great like no it's far from great <laughs> <laughs> well we have it that's good oh yeah we, we, yeah, do. we do that's yeah, good we that's do. good yeah but um, it is the people it's the four generations yeah right like yeah. it's so impressive to see like the fan like parents kids and grandkids going to the same campus yeah. to me like it's generational and yeah. i think that's awesome I love seeing I love people it. that have never gone to church before step into the campus, into the mm. building and go, I don't really believe in this stuff, uh-huh. but I love the community aspect mm-hmm. and I feel so supported by you guys and I feel like I'm doing this life journey together. Yeah. You know? And if they f- and I guess as Christians, our job is not to convert people. Nah. Right. And that's why I think it's easy for people to jump out in the street and say, turn or burn. Yeah. And there's a place for that. But I think it's harder to actually jump on someone's journey with them, be with them. And then yeah. if the opportunity arises and they actually do need you know, Jesus in their life or do need help, then you can jump in there and say, Hey, look, you know, can I pray for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to just be like the clickbait, turn or burn. Right. <laughs> 100%. Probably. Yeah. And 100%. it's nice to see people jump on that journey and going, Oh, you know, I don't really, nah, I do like the community and, you know, I do like the atmosphere that mm. you guys have. And I think it's just people just want connection these days. Oh, absolutely. it's so fake outside, man. Oh, man. So easy just to. It's so refreshing on a Sunday to come in as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think that's, in, in general, I think church needs to strip out all of that crap, all the politics. Yeah. The celebrity culture as well. Oh, the worst. I remember, um, I'm not going to bag out people, but it's like five, six bodyguards. <laughs> as a pastor, it's so extreme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was in it, like I was working there. I felt like I was a part of the entourage. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you <Venue> security. <laughs> People love to play those um, uh, those name drop games as well. Yeah. But yeah. that we're, I feel like they, like we're very removed from that in now, the inner west. In the inner west? Yes. yes. But when I was in city and all oh, far out, man, that was. Back then? Oh. I was in city last night. I think it's changed a little bit now yeah um and i think the culture there's getting better that's good mm. but there's still bits and pieces where people go i'm still pretty frustrated at that mm. yeah yeah i know yeah. some of us hate link <laughs> on sundays yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bro i gotta before the camera dies yeah i gotta wrap this up awesome bless you man thanks for this of course oh, thanks, thanks for having me <laughs>